Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Uh, We're starting a new series today called Stories of Hope. It's a five-week series. It's going to go all the way through Christmas. Uh, I know it's Thanksgiving coming in on Thursday. Happy Thanksgiving upcoming. I hope you guys uh, have a great time with family and friends. But we decided to start a week early on Stories of Hope with Christmas, and I think you're going to enjoy this. How many of you know that we all need hope? Amen? We all need hope in our life. Hope gives us the opportunity to belong, and we, we all need that assurance in our life. Hope is what propels us forward. It's what gives us direction. The feeling of hopelessness is a horrible place to reside because it will reside you or it will rob you of your future. Hopelessness will lead you into fear, but hope will lead you into a realm of faith. We all need hope in our lives, which begs the question, where does hope come from? Where does hope come from? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us the answer in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. He says, I pray that God, the source of all hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with this confident hope through the power of his Holy Spirit. Many people live life with misdirected hope, placing their hope in temporary things instead of placing their hope in God. The great King David writes these words in Psalms 119, Verse 114, he says, you are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. Your word is my source of hope. Hope is what will fuel your future. Think about it. Without hope, life is full of discouragement, unhappiness, despair. Hope makes the difference between surviving and thriving. It's the difference between just walking through life, surviving each day just by the skin of your teeth. You're just like, man, I'm going to wake up this morning. I'm going to go to work. I'm just going to make it. Guess what? You can have something different with the hope of God in your life. Instead of just surviving, guess what? You can start thriving on what God is doing in your life and how he is impacting other people's. Cassie's story was powerful. It changed her life. Not only, I know this personally, not only has it changed her life, that hope that resides her, that hope of Christ in her is changing the lives of those around her. So many times we misdirect our hope. Godly hope is having an assurance that God is in control and working on your behalf. How many of you here believe that God is in control and he's working on your behalf? Start acting like it. See, I believe it, but not always do I act like it. Can I just be really honest? I can believe that God is in control and he's working on my behalf, but there's sometimes, guess what? I don't just, I just don't act like he is in control. I start trying to take control. He wants you to let him have control of your life. Your endurance in life is strengthened through hope. People who have lost hope give up on life. They have no future they have no, they've lost hope for the future. They've lost hope for healing. They've lost hope for relationships. Their hope is misplaced. It's been directed to the temporary things that disappoint instead of the, something that is eternal, who is God. 
If you want to find a lasting hope, then you hope, your hope must be anchored to Jesus Christ. It must be anchored to Jesus Christ. Think of an anchor on a boat when you throw it out there. When it grabs a hold of something, you are anchored, you're stable. It doesn't matter what comes, you're anchored there. You're not just being tossed by the waves. Your life, if you feel like you're being tossed back and forth in all different directions, guess what? You need to throw out the anchor of hope into heaven, into Jesus Christ, through the curtain, and all of a sudden you're grabbing hold of something that is solid, that is eternal, that was everlasting, lasting hope. A great example of lasting hope is when you travel to the mission field. You go and you meet people who basically all of their possessions is what they're wearing on their body right now, the clothes on their back. And you look at it and you start talking to them and they have this hope inside of them that is so powerful. And you're wondering, where does that hope come from? It comes from God. You see, it's really easy to make a decision when everything else is stripped away. When you can't put your hope into the the temporary things of life, because you just don't have that many temporary things, guess what? You put your hope in Christ. God had to do that to the Israelites over and over and over again. He would strip things away so that they put their hope in him. That's what God wants for you and for me. He He wants us to anchor our hope in him. I'm not saying that they don't have challenges. People on the mission field, they have challenges. They just have a focus on where their hope is. And I believe for us in America here, we can do the same. We can do the same. Today I want to share a story of hope that's found in the Gospel of John chapter 4. It's one of the most famous stories found in the Bible. It's a story of the Samaritan woman that Jesus meets at Jacob's well. A little background to the story, Jesus had been ministering with his disciples in Judea, and they decided to leave Judea, him and his disciples, and they decided that they were going to, uh, or they decided they were going to go through Samaria. They were going to travel back to Galilee and go through Samaria, which was the direct route to Galilee. Here's the key, though. Most, most of the time, the Jews would travel around Samaria. So if you can get a, a picture, Judea is here, Galilee is here, Samaria is here. Okay, you get a picture? Today is here, Galilee's here, Samaria's here. Most of the Jews would travel this way. They wouldn't have a direct route. Why would that be? Because they didn't like the Samaritans. The Jews didn't like Samaritans. They were really considered that they were a mixed race. They, they, they were inferior. The Jews felt like they were inferior, so they would travel around them. But Jesus said, we're going to go through Samaria. And I want to read this story to you, and it starts in verse 6 of John chapter 4. It's a long story. We're going to read some scripture today. Hang on, but I think it's going to be exciting for you. And Jesus, tired from the, lo- from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to dr- draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised. For Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. I'm telling you right now, Jesus is setting her up, man. He is setting her up. She doesn't know what's going to hit her. He's setting her up. I love it. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. 
She said, and the, this well is very deep. Where will you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbly spring within them, giving them eternal life. She responds to Jesus, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get... Now, get this. We in America don't understand this, because we just go and turn the water faucet on. But if you, on a daily basis, would either have to travel to the well, or you'd have to travel to, to a, the river, and get water, and travel back a mile to your home... You would go, man, give me this water. I want you today to go home, and I want you to get two five-gallon buckets and fill it with water. And I just want you to walk around the block a couple times. Because we don't, we don't understand the story. Do you know what I'm saying? She'd go like, give me this water. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll, be, I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water and then all of a sudden, Jesus just changes the story. He says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly speak the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Now she all of a sudden changes. She goes, man, you must be a prophet. So I want some answers now. And so she starts asking Jesus, so tell me, why is that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where are our, where our ancestors worshipped? And Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it is no longer a matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews." But the time is coming, indeed is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Can you imagine being right there when all of a sudden Jesus proclaims and declares, I am the Messiah. Just then the disciples came back and they were shocked to find uh, him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask. They didn't ask these questions. They're in the scripture. This is what they were thinking. What do you want with her? Or why are you even talking to her? And the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come. And see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray today in the next few moments that God, your word would penetrate our hearts, our minds. That once again, Lord God, that your word will not just return, return void, but God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, it will be life-changing to us, Lord God. I pray that we leave today, Lord God, knowing just a little bit more understanding just a little bit more of who you are in our lives. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The first interesting thought about this story that we can read is that the Samaritan woman remains nameless. 42 verses. 
pretty long story. I just read most of the story to you. And we don't know her name. She goes down as this Samaritan woman. I mean, there's a short story in the Old Testament. It's the story of Jabez. It's two verses, and you can read his name three times in two verses. And in 42 verses, we don't find her name. And I was thinking about that. I was praying about that. And I wondered, maybe John just wanted us not to know her name because her story in so many ways can apply to our life. Maybe we need to put our name into her story and apply it to our life. Here are some truths that I want you to take away from this story today. The first one is this. Everyone desires to belong. Everyone in their heart, you might say you don't, but deep down in your heart, you desire to belong. This woman didn't belong. We can come to this conclusion because she comes to the well by herself. She has no one that's coming with her. And she comes at noonday in the middle of the day when the heat is the hottest. This is when she comes to the well. In Bible times, drawing water from the well or from a river was a daily routine. It really became a community event. It would be like going to the movies. You know, you gather some friends, hey, let's go to the movies, let's go. You know what, they would gather their friends and say, hey, I have to go down the well, you want to walk with me? Yeah, let's go walk together. And they would chat on their way down to the well. This woman is going by herself. She arrives at the well by herself. It seems or appears that it's just Jesus there. This part of the story reveals to us that this woman probably didn't belong. She didn't feel like she belonged to her own people, and she sure didn't feel like she belonged to a conversation with Jesus. As she arrived at the well, Jesus asked her for a drink of water. Remember, Jesus had arrived at the well after a long walk. I mean, it would probably take a couple, two or three days to make the walk and the journey. And so he's arriving there about noontime. He's tired. He's hot. He didn't have any way, the scripture talks about, he doesn't have any way to draw that water from Jacob's well, which I think is over 100 feet deep. So he asked her for a drink. But the Samaritan woman was caught by surprise because Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Especially Jewish men associating with a Samaritan woman was unheard of. So for, Jewish, for, the, so for their Jewish man to talk Samaritan was culturally not acceptable. But I believe this was the whole purpose for Jesus' journey to Samaria. It was to have an encounter with a woman who felt like she didn't belong. If you ever felt like you didn't belong, you don't have to raise your hand. But if you're feeling that here today, I want to speak to you. Jesus then begins to share with her about how he could give her a living water where she, could no, where she would no longer thirst. She was thinking about a physical water, but he was talking about a spiritual renewal in her heart and in her life once and for all. Jesus is deep, digging deep into this woman's life. In fact, at this point, Jesus asked her to go and get her husband, and she replies, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus reveals to her that he knows all about her life. All of a sudden, at this point, he reveals to you, I know you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And even now, you're living with a man that you're not married to. Now, we look at that as a negative thing. But I think as I read this scripture, I see her looking at this something as something special. What I see is that all of a sudden, she recognizes that Jesus is a prophet. And Jesus knows everything about my life. And he's still concerned about me. And he still loves me. He's opening a door. I don't care about your baggage. I don't care about all the other stuff in your life. 
I want to know you and I want to show you a direction and a way that you can have living water. It spoke volumes to her, realizing that Jesus knew the truth about her life and still chooses to have a conversation. Brings me to my second takeaway from the story. Everyone is inadequate. There are times where we can feel like we're inadequate. The truth is we are inadequate. It's not just a feeling, it's a reality. There are certain areas of your life that you are inadequate, and it's okay. Jesus came to set her free from this fear of inadequacy. He wanted her to discover that she was no longer had to live in hiding. Cassie shared a beautiful story of hope. She no longer needed to be a slave to fear. This lady was a slave to fear. She was a slave to hiding because she, she didn't feel like she belonged. She had all this baggage in her life. She can be set free from the world's view or the religious view. Her value doesn't need to be attached to what others might think. Her value is established in what God declares. God's declaration over the Samaritan woman is that she is valuable, that she is loved, and that she is wanted. That's how we need to be with others. I want you to grab a hold of this part because we talk through this and we just fly through this because it bothers us. Man, Pastor Tom, are you talking that a person who is living in sin or who has sin, we're supposed to just be able to accept them? And, and we, The disciples looked at Jesus when they got back to the well. What is Jesus doing, man? Who is he, who is he talking to? Why is he even giving her at the time of day? I believe this, the whole travel to through Samaria is for this purpose, is to uh, really to all of a sudden open the eyes of the disciples. Because they're going to have to min uh, start ministering to the Samaritans and the Gentiles. He was opening it up to their lives. Jesus doesn't want us to live under the inadequacies or under the bondage of sin. He wants us to live under his grace. Amen. Paul tells us in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all inadequate except by the grace of God. It is under God's grace, the grace of righteousness that comes through our faith in Jesus, that we can be set free from the bondage of sin and from the lies of the enemy. Listen to the words that Jesus speaks in John chapter 8. John 8, 35 and 36 goes along with that song that Cassie shared about no longer being a slave. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Man, I just felt something that some of you needed to hear that again. If the son has set you free, then you are free indeed. If the son has set you free, then you are free indeed. If the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. You've got to start walking in the grace of God. Because see what happens in our lives so many times. And I've shared this over and over and over again, and I will keep sharing it until the day I die. What happens to us is so many times we don't believe the truth of God's word, and we believe the lies of the enemy. And so what happens is we all of a sudden start hearing these words, we start hearing all this stuff, and we start living in sin. And we start embracing the sin of our life. And we start, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to turn to God. Okay. And I, I... 
but, man, okay. Jesus wants you to die to sin. He, he doesn't want you to focus on sin anymore, but you have to believe the truth in your life that he has set you free by his grace so that you can just let go of that sin and start walking in grace and you start walking in his righteousness and guess what will take place in your life? Sin starts to disappear and the righteousness of Christ starts to live large in your life and all of a sudden you find hope, you find happiness, you find joy in, this, in the power of his spirit that is residing in you. You let go of sin, you start following Christ. We're no longer a slave to sin. Jesus was setting this, this woman free from her failure so that she could have a permanent home with God. Jesus referred to salvation as living water. It's a real hope. It's not something just disappears. It's not something that you drink and all of a sudden you're thirsty again. No, it's a lasting hope that lasts in your life. This was a radical change for her. She is describing, Jesus is describing a freedom of forgiveness that she's never experienced before. And it's her opportunity to no longer worship under condemnation. You know how many times I feel like people are worshiping in our church under guilt and condemnation? And Jesus says, no, you're going to worship in spirit and in truth. You're going to be set free because who the sun sets free is free indeed. And you're going to be able to worship in spirit and truth because you're going to be under my, the grace of my righteousness as you worship. Amen. Brings me to my last takeaway for today. Our hope in Jesus is meant to be shared. Her experience with Jesus was life-changing. Overwhelmed with excitement, she leaves her pot by the, not pot like that pot, the, a regular pot, okay, by the well and goes and tells everyone, I have to explain, I would never have had to explain that in the past, but now I have to explain what a pot is, amazing. But she leaves her pot by the well and goes and tells everyone, all of her neighbors about finding the Messiah. She is no longer trying to avoid people, catch this, she came to Jesus in the beginning trying to avoid people. He knew she was trying to avoid people. And he meets her at that point. She's trying to, trying to avoid people. Now she's not trying to avoid people after she meets Jesus. She goes out to the village and starts sharing to everybody. Man, I met this man named Jesus. I think he's the Messiah. I think he's the real deal. He's telling things about my life. He's setting me free. You need to come. And people started to leave their houses to come and find and speak to Jesus. She was impacted by the power of Jesus. You can be impacted by the power of Jesus today. This is what the hope of Jesus can do in your life. It can give you purpose and direction. Her story reminds us that God never meant for our experience with him to be something that is not shared. God gave us a voice so that we can use it to declare his goodness. The scripture says if, if we don't declare his goodness, the stones will cry out. The stones will cry out and declare his goodness. The Samaritan woman had created so much excitement among the people that the village began to leave their houses, just come and see Jesus. In fact, the village people themselves started to beg Jesus, will you stay? Will you stay here? Will you stay? Jesus stays two days in that village 
and he teaches and he preaches and he shares to them. The scripture states that many people from that village came to believe in Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you feel in your life that you have no purpose, that these inadequacies in your life are holding you back from truly following him. Those inadequacies, they, they, they nag at you in the middle of the night. They make you feel worthless. You struggle with them. You think everybody in the world knows your inadequacies and no one really knows. And really, can I tell you a secret? No one really cares. But the lie of the enemy just keeps on speaking that into your life. Well, I'm here to declare to you today that your life has purpose. It has meaning. And it's found in your relationship with Jesus. God doesn't care about your inadequacies. I'm going to say it again. God doesn't care about your inadequacies. He doesn't care about your sin. He cares about you. He has provided a way through grace. He has provided a way for that you can receive his righteousness if you're willing to step out in faith and follow him. It requires some work from you. It requires that you turn away from sin and you step out in faith and choose to follow him. I can preach it over and over and over again, but you're not going to heaven on my, my coattails. I'm just telling you right now, when I go, I am going to be so fast, so quick that you're not even going to have a chance to grab a hold of me. I am out of here. And I'm just waving goodbye, guys. See you later. No, I want us to go together. I want us all to be going, man, here we go. Here it is. I'm not going to have sadness. Why? Because it says that there is no sadness in heaven. There's just going to be joy. I'm just speaking truth. Don't miss out on this, guys. Choose to, man, embrace the living water that Jesus was sharing with this Samaritan woman because God cares for you. He desires that you be set free, that you step out in faith. Everything else is a mirage. I lived in Las Vegas for seven years. And after seven years of living in Las Vegas, and do you know Las Vegas has the most hotel rooms in the world? And there's times that you could get there and you can't even find one single hotel room. It's amazing. You live in a city that you can't even turn your water on in your house. You, don't, you can't even have a, a, a front yard. You have to have desert landscaping. Because, and yet the hotels just have water flowing everywhere. And you're living in there with no water whatsoever. It's, not, it's a mirage. The whole thing's a mirage. It's not real. I'm just telling you, it's not real. I'm not, I love Vegas in the sense of I love the people that there's, pe there's good people in Vegas. Christians serving God. But that city itself is a mirage. And sometimes what happens in our life, we set up our life in such, such a way that things aren't real. This woman had set up her in her life in such a way that she was fine trying to find hope within, within these men. Women, don't try to find hope in a man. They're just going to disappoint you, man. Good timing. What I'm saying this, hope is found in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. Everything else in life that you can see or that you can touch will someday disappear. But your relationship with Christ will last forever. 
that's a lasting hope. That's the hope that Christ was trying to give this woman at the well. He said, you keep on searching in the wrong areas. I am right here. I am the Messiah. You need to have a revelation of Christ this Christmas season. You need to have a revelation of who Christ is in your life. Because he can set you free from all the inadequacies, all of the sins, all the burdens that you've been carrying. He can set you free from all those things once and for all if you're willing to step out in faith and choose to follow him. Stories of hope. That was our first story of hope. There's four more stories coming. I don't want you to miss any of them because they're all so powerful. They're all so good. You're going to hear about a story at some point about a man who faced prison prison term possibly for the rest of his life and how God redeemed him. It's a powerful story. I don't want you to miss it. I'm not going to tell you where it's coming in at, but there's four stories of hope coming up. And what this, what this is all about is to bring encouragement into your life that God can do the impossible. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord God, that we have hope in you. And I pray right now for every person that sits in this audience, that God, if they, are, if they don't have hope, if they feel inadequate, if they lack purpose in their life, if they wonder why am I even here on earth, why am I, even, why am I wasting my, the breath of this earth of, of air, if they wonder what's my purpose, God, I pray today, Lord God, through this story, through Cassie's story on the screen and through the story that's in your word about the woman at the well, that today they will be set free from that thought. They'll be set free from that burden. That they will understand that you love them and that you love them dearly. We praise you, God, for what you're going to do today. Heads bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. We're going to just take a moment because, man, I can't start this series of hope and not make a declaration to our church that, man, we need to step out in faith. And if you're here today and you have never made that step, that commitment to follow after Christ, or maybe you have and you know right now that you're, man, you're just blowing it and you need help. You need help like never before. And you're searching for that help. I'm telling you, God can meet you right where you're at. We do old fashioned things here at the church. We ask that yeah, you step out in faith. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Tom, I am that person. I need to get right with God. Well, guess what? He's meeting you at the well right now. He wants to spend some time with you. And I just want to raise your hand real high because I want to say a prayer for you. We're going to say a prayer all together. Anybody here that says, yeah, Pastor Tom, I need to meet Jesus right now. See that hand? Anybody else? Anybody else? Everybody in the audience, maybe you didn't raise your hand. But I want you to say the prayer. Lord Jesus, I give you my inadequacies. I give you my sin. And I exchange it for your righteousness. I step out in faith. And I choose to follow you. I say no to sin. And I say yes to you. Give me the power of your Holy Spirit. Set me free, Lord God. I declare it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Man, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. Isn't God good?
You might not feel it right now, but I'm praying this week that God would do the miraculous in your life. I'm praying that all of a sudden during this Christmas season, I'm praying for a Christmas season of so much hope that all of a sudden those things that you feel like, man, are just absolutely hopeless, that he's going to just go like, oh, let me show you something. And you're going to have a whole new perspective of who God is in your life. God is so cool. God is so good. Ushers, come on down to the front. We're going to worship the Lord through our giving today. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Can I give you a great report today? We had three weeks or two weeks of missions. Uh, some great speakers that came in over the last two weeks. And if you don't know, this church supports missionaries from all around the world. We have about 20 missionaries that we that we support. And uh, we really needed a minimum of like $2,700, $2,800 to be able to make our pledges. And then I have a full drawer of missionaries that are waiting to be supported. In fact, I just stepped out in faith last week and said, I'm supporting you. A missionary came in, I said, we're supporting you no matter what. It's just going to happen. I don't care if I have to write, we're going to support you. It's going to happen. And sometimes your pastor has to step out in faith. You know what I mean? I can't just preach. I got to step out in faith with you. And I want to just share with you today that uh, we raised last, last two weeks over $3,000 a month, $36,000 for the year. I'm believing we're going to top over $40,000, $45,000, so that we can actually increase our giving to missions because there's something powerful when we give to missions. Because Jesus didn't say that we just, you know, just preach to our, our local area, but he says go into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're doing. And I want to say a big thank you. If you haven't signed up, for our Christmas tree lighting in San Juan. I need every one of you guys to help. So, where's Stephanie at? Is Stephanie in here? There's Stephanie, she's in the back. Someone tell Stephanie, she's in the middle door today with her big ass button. She didn't let anybody out unless they talk to her and sign up for the Christmas tree lighting. We need your help. We're gonna have seven, 800 kids that are gonna wanna make ornaments. And we need at least 10, 20 people throughout the whole time. So that means I need 50 or 60 people to volunteer. We've had it every year. So please sign up, be a part of that. You can make a difference in the life of a kid. And we serve free, it's a blast too, by the way. It's, it's really fun, all the lights are on, and you'll have a great time, so. But your giving helps us to do that. Your giving helps us to go into the San Juan, uh, city of San Juan with the 10,000 people that are gonna come out and be able to be at the, uh, the Christmas ornament place where Santa's workshop is located at. And we just have a lot of fun. So thank you for your giving. Lord Jesus, I pray a blessing over today's offering. Lord God, I pray that it would be used to further everything that you have a desire for us to do. We thank you for being blessed. We thank you for our jobs, our homes, our ability to work, Lord God. We thank you for the ability to do a remodel, Lord God, for being a church that's debt-free. Thank you, only you, Lord, provide that. And God, we honor you today, and we honor you, Lord God, through our giving as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and pass the offering bags. Thank you again for being with us to worship with us today. Our vision statement here at the church is creating an environment, creating an environment to see what God can do through you. This week, I want you to think about creating an environment of hope. I want you not to look at your current circumstances. I don't want you to look at the things that are happening around you. What I want you to do is anchor your hope in Jesus this week and watch what will take place this week in your life. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. 
For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.